This is Jerry for the JRI-RIGG.com. The Jerry Rig Media Center allows you to take all of your media, your movies, your TV shows, your iTunes, and watch it on your TV. You can watch thousands of TV shows and movies for free on one of the 332 pre-installed add-ons. And with Community Porthole, you have the possibility of thousands more. The Jerry Rig will make you want to set fire to your Amazon Fire, chuck your Apple, and laugh at your cheaply designed plastic Roku. Because the Jerry Rig is made from a machine-tooled, military-grade aluminum body. And not only is it affordable, but it does not have a monthly fee. I know. It sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Well, it is. But it is actually true. Visit JRI-RIGG.com for more info. That is JRI-RIGG. And, by the way, it can also play all of your retro video games. That's JRI-RIGG.com. Podcast. This is episode number 37. Uh, we are talking about uh, a role-playing game uh, again this time, like this episode. Um, the much, you know, much talked about and maligned uh, Seven Saga, which was developed by, produced and published by Enix uh, for Super NES back in 1993. Uh, and this is my uh, new co-host, uh, George's pick. So say hello, George. Hello, George. <laughs> Wait, no, your name's Greg. Hello, Greg. <laughs> Um, so, uh, tell us, let's, 
Like, so tell us a, a little bit, and myself also included in that list, uh, why you wanted to pick this game. Uh, because I had it. <laughs> um, I mean, I played it before a little bit. I heard about it, so I bought it, um, and I played it a little bit before we recorded. This was a while ago, actually. And it, I found it to be cool. And then uh, you said, hey, what game do you want to do? <laughs> and then after shooting down like five games, I said, and I finally picked this one. And then you were all right with it. So that's basically why. <laughs> uh, well, uh, just like um, uh, this is certainly the most interesting pick out of the choices that the, 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 the choices that you had for reasons that we'll get into here, uh, like in a moment. Yes. Um, but uh, um, yeah, um, the Super NES, of course, is well known for its very rich library of like role-playing games. Uh, there were a number of great games I made for the console, and it, and one of the hardest things I think for anybody who enjoys RPGs is to, like you try to try to sift sift through the huge catalog of games of games available available on the console, try to figure out which ones are good and which ones are not. Yeah, just um, go with Super Mario RPG. <laughs> Well, that's also a very controversial pick. <laughs> really? Yes. Uh, uh, I don't think that game's particularly aged all that well. Uh, to be really, honest. I like it. But, um, but yeah, I like you know people think of the big names on the console when it comes to RPGs, uh, like Super Mario RPG, the Final Fantasies, um, and like you know Earthbound and Chrono Trigger. The smaller games can kind of sit through the cracks. Uh, it's, it's kind of uh, this game reminds me a, a lot. Uh, this game reminds me a lot, and uh, in, in, in some ways actually, of an earlier RPG pick that I had with my first co-host Chad way back when, when we talked about Arcana, which is also like a very uh, uh, underrated uh, hidden game uh, for Super NES as far as like RPGs go. I did but, not get to play that yet. But uh, it's also it's also very difficult, just like this game is. But oh. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so. Uh, but you know, I'm always happy to talk about, to talk about some other, some other, like some other underrated games in the system. And depending upon your tolerance for, for certain amounts of a, uh, certain amounts of crap, let's say, uh, will determine, you know, will determine if this game is right for you or not. So, uh, George and I will try to do our best to enlighten you in this podcast as to what's good and what's not so good about, I like about this game. Um, yes. going into a little bit of background, uh, Seven Saga was originally, of course, a Japanese game. Uh, the Japanese, you know, the Japanese name of the game is Elnard. Uh, where they got that and what it means, I have no idea. That sounds but... like some kind of insult. <laughs> hey, you're an Elnard. Uh, but the game was developed by a small company called Produce, which is made up of several former IREM employees, actually. Uh, IREM was a very, IREM was a very large uh, arcade manufacturer and distributor uh, back in the golden age of video games. Wait, the company was called Produce? Produce, yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to save my supermarket jokes for later. The Japanese have a lot of weird names <laughs> like their companies, so yes, I can't I know. say I'm surprised. Um, <laughs> Produce was founded in 1990, so this is not the first game that they developed. Uh, I could not find anything, uh, information on this company, uh, the, uh, information on this company online is, is unfortunately like very scarce. It's really hard to look up produce online yeah. without, <laughs> without finding something about super I, I, couldn't, or I, I couldn't find this company, this company store around, is still around today. I do know, I do know that they were making games all the way up, uh, like all the way up into the PS2 and, uh, and N64 era because they made games for both those consoles. Uh, but I don't know if they did anything past that. 
So I uh, so I don't know the current status the current status of the company, but uh, the game is published by Enix. Uh, Enix, of course, was a very big name, um, uh, more so in Japan than in the U.S. Uh, like for their uh, like their role playing games. Uh, they're best known for the Dragon Quest, uh, known in the West as Dragon Warrior games. Uh, and during the early '90s, uh, Enix was trying to port was trying to bring over a number a number of the more quote-unquote hidden gems uh, like Japan on, like on the Super NES library. Uh, they also published a game called uh, Evo, EVO, The Search for Evolution, which is, which is a very interesting uh, platform slash RPG slash simulation game, game which you, in which you control a creature like, through all periods of evolution of history, and you're trying to evolve and grow it. That game has its flaws as well. Yeah, so uh, yeah. Enix, Enix, to their credit, Enix did try to bring over some very interesting games. Uh, they did. They not. Uh, they could. They didn't have anything that matched the success they had. They, they had the NES though. So shortly after this game came out, um, it was originally released in Japan in April, but in April '93, and surprisingly came over to the U.S. only like only a few months later. It was published. I was published and released in August of '93. Oh wow! So the translation did not take very long at all on this game. Usually, games like that can take a year. Right. But this is one of the last games that Enix published published in the states for a while, because shortly after this, in 1994, they shut down their U.S. operations uh, for several years uh, because of the because of the lack of success, and they would not re-enter uh, re-enter the U.S. market until uh, uh, until right about the flight like, right about the time of their merger with SquareSoft. That's because Americans don't know how to like video games properly. <laughs> That's well, a joke. Well, <laughs> this is also this is also during a time period in which RPGs were very very much a niche a niche cult. Yeah. Um, uh, I I was already a big fan of RPGs by this time because uh, I talked about this in another podcast. So I'll keep this short. But my first exposure to console RPGs, which of course are very different than computer RPGs. Oh, uh, most definitely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, nowadays, nowadays console RPGs are, are more known as Japanese RPGs or JRPGs, whereas, whereas computer RPGs are more known as Western RPGs. Uh, even though, like, even though both games are usually published simultaneously on both computers and consoles. The, uh, the thing is, though, I mean, there isn't really a CRPG out there anymore. There are some, but they're not as many as like the mid nineties, exactly. right? Which is actually a growing problem because a lot of these games are becoming so simplistic and there's nothing wrong with that it's just my personal likes <laughs> and when i can play a game and it's just so easy it's it's cool that it's easy but like sometimes i just want that elder scrolls arena hard you know i was gonna bring this up later but since you already like brought I brought the point up. Uh, yeah, definitely. This playing this game again reminds me. It reminds me of the time period in which in which in which the like which the video game market was a lot smaller, and the people who played these games were it was harder really to kids. get into. Well, yeah, I mean, like you know, yeah. uh, the games are harder, but kids were often were often the big market, like the, the the big market, like these games. As a kid, you have time to sit down and pump out the 40, 40 50, 60 hours uh, than an RPG. Uh, or an adventure or simulation game like SimCity like might take, um, as as gaming evolved, more like more and more people became gamers, and the gamers who were kids, myself included, from like the NES Super NES period, became adults. Uh, your playtime, 
your playtime decreases. Uh, I was just saying to George kind of jokingly uh, off mic before, before we started recording that the curse of being an adult is finally having all the money to buy the games you want and not having time <laughs> to play them. So, um, so yeah, games nowadays are simpler, I think, b- both because of the mass market and also because of the fact that gamers don't have the time to put into the games that they used to have. Uh, uh, because most, uh, because a lot of people who game today are adults who have who have families, kids, uh, jobs, responsibilities, etc., and don't and you don't have the time that you did when you were when you were young when this game first came out in the early '90s to be able to sit down and play for days for like days on end. So there's good and bad things about it. I mean, but that's a whole but, uh, but that's a whole another debate, like another podcast, I think. But um, anyway, I was saying that I had been introduced to console RPGs at an early age with Dragon Warrior and Final Fantasy, like in the NES. So I already was a big fan of RPGs by the time the Super NES came out. Uh, Final Fantasy II is really the reason, one of the reasons I wanted to get a su- I wanted to get uh, like Super NES. So. I bought and and also rented a, a lot of, and played a lot of RP, most of the RPGs uh, on the console library back then, including the, like like this game. And even back then, I thought to myself, "Holy crap, this game is tough," uh, <laughs> because this, because this game definitely has a very steep, I wouldn't say learning curve. I would say I would say. Um, uh, a curve to be able to a curve to be able to feel like to feel like you're succeeding in this game is extremely difficult, right. uh, which we'll talk about here like in a moment. So going back to this game, it was both refreshing and also and also a slap in the face for how like for how content RPGs like used to be used to be uh, during this time period. And also, this is not an opinion that's coming. That's coming out now, mind you. I mean, like nowadays, it's very common to say, "Oh, this game's impossible. This game's too tough. How did anybody, ever, you know, beat this back in the day?" <laughs> uh, oh man. Like, you know, NES hard is like you know like a popular hashtag these days, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But no opinions, opinions of this game, even back then when this game first came out back in the Ferg, uh, <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people consider this game to be extremely difficult. This is not, you know, this is not a new opinion. You look at any like conventional. Um, uh, a contemporary review of this game that came out back then, and they're all saying, "Yeah, this game has great graphics, great music, uh, the gameplay's fun, but it's wicked hard." So, um, so this is not a case where, like, 20 years later, people are saying, "Oh, we're not games anymore because we can't handle this difficulty level." Blah 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 blah. So, uh, so this game's always been known for its insane difficulty. In fact, like, in fact, I'd say right now this game is probably. I think Arcana, which we covered in the past Super NES podcast, might even be easier as a game than this one is. I mean, uh, to be honest, though, when something's hard in an RPG, you just grind. And this game requires <laughs> a lot of grinding. I figured that out the hard way. <laughs> if you, yeah, uh, word of warning right now, if you, but if you do not like to grind, then you definitely are... Well, then what are you doing like playing RPGs if you don't like grinding? No, I mean, like, you know... Uh, there are a lot of good old RPGs that, 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 that require a ton of grinding. Uh, the Final Fantasy, for example, don't Mystic require... Mystic Quest? Um, <laughs> I don't want to talk about that game. The Final Fantasies don't... The early Final Fantasies didn't require a ton of grinding, as long as you... The long, early ones? Which ones are you talking about? Uh, uh, two and three in the Super NES, which are now known as four and six. As long as you, as long as you played through the game normally and fought all the enemies that uh, fought all the enemies, the enemies that you came across, you were, you were, you were pretty good to go through the game because I did I it found myself numerous Final times. Final Fantasy VI, a grinding required game, not like crazy amounts, but like, okay, well, 
let's save that for a different conversation. I mean, you can grind a little bit in those games if you want to. But... You kind of have to, though, because you yeah. need the, the, what is it, the AP or whatever for the espers to, to, to gain those skills and whatnot. Yeah, I suppose so, but I also think you can get a lot of that just by doing, like, normal gameplay. Uh, just like, you know, like, not running away from random encounters and just simply doing the fight that you have to do. I don't know. I'm a I'm a grinder, so I <laughs> sit down and I just grind. But anyway. But, yeah, the argument I was trying to make was that was that there are some there are some early uh, there are some RPGs in this time period that, that, that did not require uh, much grinding. Um, whereas, like, whereas this game requires a lot of grinding. In fact, like, <laughs> in fact, this may be Next, I'd say Fantasy Star 2. That may be the only game I can, I can think of that requires... I really enjoy that game, too. Fantasy Star 2 may be, may be the only game I can think of that requires more grinding than this game does to be able to do well in it. But, maybe. Uh... Maybe. <laughs> Good game, though. Yes. Yes, it is. But uh... anyway, so um, Seven Saga is appropriately named because the plot of the... Appropriately named because the plot of this game is that... There is this king who is descended from a hero who saved the world 5,000 years ago by defeating great evil. Uh, and uh, and, and like, the current king is, is like, the son of this hero. And he's 100 years old, so he's getting old. So Oh, uh, yes, he's getting old because he's 100. <laughs> Just getting old. So um, so he summons seven, seven people who train under him for five years. And after the five years are done with, uh, the game opens. The game opens with the king, with the, with the king giving you, you giving all of you a speech, and he talks about how his father was able to defeat the to defeat the great evil and save the world by using the power of seven runes. And each rune has a, and each rune has a specific power to it. And because of the danger that the danger that that could that could be that could be happened if the seven gems were, were kept together, those gems were scattered after the world was saved and hidden around the world. And you were tasked to go out and find those seven gems. And whichever, whichever person finds seven gems uh, will get the honor of succeeding the king uh, to, to become the new hero of the, the, hero of the world. Uh, and, also, and also ruler of the kingdom. Right now, even by by even by 16-bit RPG standards, this story has this story has potholes so big that you drive a truck through it. Uh, because of the fact that I don't suggest doing that. <laughs> you really want to like you really want to have uh, one person gathering together all the, the power of all these seven gems, which which the stories are believed is a power, just like that power making the living god. Uh, you don't think like, you don't think like, you don't think there's gonna be some temptation among the other. Uh, like among the other would-be heroes to try to do some backstabbing to try to get some of the other gems that you've done all your hard work for, like obtain. And as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, that that, uh, that does happen in this game, uh, which which we'll get into here by a little bit. But um, and anyway, there's there's problems with the plot, but like you know just. In, but it's like, you know, hand wave it to wave of being like your typical 16-bit RPG game and like you're fine with it. It, it, right. it works the premise of the gameplay. I mean, this is not this is not a time period when stories were known for driving games uh, outside the Final Fantasy series, I think. I mean, the plot was just simply an excuse to go about and bash heads. Sounds about right. So, anyway, um, gameplay basically works by you have an overworld map. You uh, press very, the A button and uh, you win. Yep. Uh, <laughs> simple controls, uh, very nice graphics like time period. I thought uh, these graphics, these graphics still look very charming today. Yeah, uh, I I actually agree. They um, look really nice, especially when you go into the battle. It's really cool how it zooms into the map. 
very good use of mode seven in this game for sure. Yes. But yes. Um, mode seven is not aged particularly well in some aspects, but I think the mode seven used in this game because it's not over the top or heavy uh, does make very good transitions and still makes the game and still makes the game look, look very pleasing to the eye. Yes. So um, you have an over uh, gameplay is uh, gameplay is eagle eye. Uh, uh, like above, as you move through the towns, the the the, the, the towns and the fields and the, and the fields and whatnot. Um, considering considering how fast this game was ported, the translation the translation seems pretty good. I, I really noticed a couple you know a couple like a small errors. Uh, like the English I haven't the really even seen anything, but then again, I haven't like clicked on everything and tried to read everything. So. Well, there isn't a ton of text in this game either. So, I mean, there's some, yeah. but there really is not. It, there's not much, you know, there's not much text in this game as say like Earthbound or Chrono Trigger. So, right. So, um, the, um, one of the interesting things about this game is you also have this, say, uh, the, you also have this crystal ball radar, which you always, I would put the game with it and you always see, um, in the corner of the screen and you see enemies, uh, who are near you by uh, on that radar as red dots? Uh, in theory, you're they're actually white dots. What white dots? Sorry, that's uh, right. In theory, you're able to avoid uh, to avoid uh, to avoid enemies with this. Uh, in practice, however, that's next to impossible because the oh yes, most definitely uh, you can stand still and get into a battle. That's yeah. actually how I grinded a lot. So I just did something in the background while I was just standing there waiting <laughs> for somebody to attack me. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Yes, I know because like you, yeah, yeah, because you can stop and the terminus enemy stopped also, but they don't. They keep moving. So uh, at best, the radar can be used to give you warning, the warning that there's a fight coming up in, in the next like five ten seconds. Well, when you're in a dungeon, I can also show you that there are chests nearby. Yes, which is also very nice. But it can also be confusing because the chest isn't. Oh, he's just right there. You know, you have to go around in some kind of maze to find him. Exactly. Being a radar, it doesn't show you walls, obstacles. It's yes. not like a complete mini map like you'd see in a modern game. No. no. So, uh, so it's a nice feature. Uh, it's not quite as utilized as well as it would be in later games. But this is the but this is the earliest game I can think of. Uh, I, I can think that this is the earliest game I can think of that used a feature like this. So I do give them kudos for actually uh, for coming up. For, you for coming up for coming up like the idea in the first place and utilizing it. Uh, it does give the game a like a certain like unique charm to it. Wait, now what character did you play as? The characters. Let's go to uh, let's go down the character list like real quick here. Yes. Uh, you have you have the uh, and forgive me if I'm butchering these names. They are translated, but they're translated kind of roughly, so um, the, they 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 don't they don't look like proper English names. Let's just put it that way. Um, you have uh, Wilmy, uh, like who's an alien, um, uh, arrogant, aggressive, uh, kind of the most evil of the characters, kind of like um, looks, who is a tetragen, uh, an, an ancient robot, uh, strong, powerful, sound, obviously, uh, being a robot. Uh, Ovin the dwarf, um, pleasant, plus pleasant guy, a good fighter. Um, you have a, a Kamel, a human, uh, the most average, well-rounded character in the game. He's the one I he, he's the one I used uh, most of the time playing the game, either back then or uh, like or currently. So uh, then going on, you also have uh, Legis, uh, uh, like a demon, uh, also like also pretty power-hungry, kind of kind of evil guy. Uh, Vausu, a human who's a cleric, uh, whereas like whereas like Kamel 
like it's more of a fire type. And Asuna, uh, an elf, probably the game's best magic user. Uh, so if you like using magic, this is a good character to pick. Uh, each character, uh, uh, each character has pros and cons. Um, which character you want to pick depends upon your overall skill in RPGs, and if you prefer uh, fighting or using magic, uh, uh, like in the game. Uh, like I said, like I said, like I said, because I thought that uh, he was the most balanced. Uh, I, I usually like I usually just use like you know Kamel because uh, uh, because even though he's a good fighter, you also later on in the game get some very powerful magic. Uh, you know to go along you know, to go along to go along with his abilities. You know, I picked the alien, but I'm really thinking about the the robot now. Mm. Yeah, Wilmy Wilmy's not bad because he is strong. He's got the highest. Uh, he's a strong fighter. He got the highest HP of the thing of all the. But he can't really equip anything. Right, his equipment his, his equipment set is like very limited. Yes. Um, and he's not a great magic user either. No. Fire is as good. Like is one good spell they can use. Which is like the first one that you get. <laughs> um, so anyway, you take your character and you go through the game. You get into, uh, you have to go through dungeons, and you also, and you get into combat. Combat's handled, the combat's handled in a normal turn-based, turn-based system that you expect, that you expect like this time period. Um, there's no, uh, uh, the HP gauge of both you and your enemy are shown by a bar as opposed to numbers. So, like, you kind of have to eyeball it a little bit sometimes to, to try to figure out how many HP that you have left. Can you take another hit? Uh, should you heal? That kind of stuff. Actually, your HP is in the bottom left, and you can show how much damage you've done to the enemy. It actually uh, it shows you, it gives you a bar over the enemy's head, and it shows you how much damage has been done. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't show how much maximum health they have left in numbers. No, but you can kind of uh, uh, guess it by look, by looking at the bar and uh, the, at the bar and seeing how much red is left. Yes. Um. So, not a perfect system. It works okay. Like get the hang of it. Um. I, I like you know I just prefer it being a very traditionalist uh, for things like this. I just I you know I like, you know, I, like you know, I um I just like for numbers because because numbers make it a lot easier to be able to tell things. But they uh. Now let's use letters instead. Um, the attack animations are pretty simple, um, but they're yeah. nice. Uh, they work. So, but they, uh, music in this game is pretty good. I wouldn't call it the best Super NES I'd, music, but it's a I'd pretty say good soundtrack. It's, it's good, but the problem is also it becomes so. I got so tedious of it quickly. Yes, it did. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, so tedious. Um, it, it has some good songs, but you hear a little. Uh, but the soundtrack is very limited, so yeah. it's like, like kind of bounces out. Um, pretty good overall soundtrack in terms of both Super NES ability, the uh, ability, and also uh, like and also for like an RPG game. It's not great, but it's not terrible either. So, um, uh, but you know, it does help to kind of fit this, uh, fit the scene pretty well. The combat music in particular is pretty good, I thought. So, um. So we've talked about before about how difficult this game is. Uh, it, it, it's difficult for it, um, it's difficult for several reasons. Uh, one of them is that this game, being a typical game of the time period, uh, requires requires a lot of grinding, uh, grinding like to be able to do well. But right. the enemies, the enemies level up with you at like an insane rate. You never really feel 
confident or powerful enough to be able to go into a dungeon and know you can go through it, uh, go, go through it easily. Because really? Because, be because at least in the early part of the game, I didn't really have that much trouble once I was uh, leveled up to a certain level. Well, it seems like the game the game balances with you a kind of an insane area because enemies always feel like they're more powerful than you are, regardless you know, regardless of like where in the game that you are. I've I fought a lot of enemies in the first few dungeons that were only doing like ones on me. Maybe I just did a lot of grinding. I well, don't know. Well early on in the game's not that bad. It definitely gets okay. worse later on because okay. um Spoiler, I did not beat this game back then when I had this game because I played it for a while and I kind of got frustrated, get frustrated by it because of the, again, the insane difficulty. Right. But uh, I did play and beat it and beat it a few beat it a few years ago, like using like emulation uh, and save states, which are a godsend for this game. So uh, we'll talk about that like more like later on. But uh, also, uh, you are able to have a companion with you in this game also. Uh, some of the some of the heroes or some of the characters that you run characters that you run across in the game, you can also invite to join with you, and they'll help a lot in battles. The downside of this, however, is that the the like the like the like experience you earn is split equally to, between the two of you. Right, so, and I've seen a lot of people just uh, say that they play it uh, solo. And in fact, in fact, when I played this game several years ago, I that's what I did. I, I uh, um, this, uh, the, uh, the solo playthrough seems to be the, the seems seems to be the seems to be the way to go on this. Yeah, that's probably uh, the best way to do it. There is which a, is sad because you know you want more people in your party, but well, again, I, when when it splits up the XP, that's yeah. Too much. I kind of some slack because again, this is an early game, and most right, games right. time period that's what they did. There was nothing like super established at this time, right? I mean, like you know, games games later on, even the later Super NES games, uh, would give you the same amount of XP regardless, uh, regardless of the character. Um, but you know, like, but yeah, but like you just said, George, that there had there really hadn't been a pattern or a pattern or a system or system established yet at this point. At this point, RPGs were still a very niche market. There weren't a lot of them out yet, uh, like in the West. They were still experimenting, experimenting, experimenting like what worked and what didn't. Right. So, um, there was a YouTuber uh, 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 who I really enjoy. Uh, he does some great stuff. Uh, oh well, thank you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> um, he goes by the name BCS Buster. No, that's uh, not my name. Who does it? Uh, he did a he 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 did Let's Play of Seven Saga uh, a few years uh, a few years back. Uh, also doing the solo the solo uh, the solo adventure type. That sounds like that might be a rough video. Uh, actually, it's not because he does a great job with it. Uh, he goes okay. through the whole game. Uh, his voice is very good, very pleasant, no problem. Uh, he uses well, I assume so if he's a YouTuber. <laughs> Well, well, again, you'd be surprised. Oh yeah, that's right. You're right. <laughs> um, he uses he uses an emulator to play the game, but he doesn't abuse it. He doesn't cheat. He doesn't cheat with it. Uh, the only time he only time the only time he uses he uses save state. Uh, like to show you like an F one situation, like for example, well at this point you can do this, but if you um which which was this is this happening, but but you really uh, but you really don't want to do that. So they want to go back. You, you go back and make that choice. 
Um, he cuts, I think that's pretty fair. Uh, he cuts out uh, parts parts of the game where he's just doing like boring grinding. It's like you know, okay, I need to stay here and grind for and grind for uh, and grind up to, grind up to like be five levels higher. You guys don't want to see that, so I'll cut that out. Uh, and I'll be back with you like after I'm done. And like, okay, we're back. I'm not level thirty. Blah 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 blah. So. Um, very good use of boy. That must have taken like five hours. <laughs> Probably, yeah. So. Oh my God, the XP requirements ramp up so quickly. So it's not a very tedious, like tedious, like tedious let's play to to let's play to go through because the fact he does cut out some of the some of That's the un, like some of the unnecessary like unnecessary parts of the game. So anybody anybody who's played this game from the past the past and frustrated by the high difficulty, I, I, I highly recommend checking out this. To check out the series because it's because wonderful example of like how to like how to like how to beat the game. This is what I used uh, when I beat the game in emulation like several years back. So like I highly recommend it. And, and there's also some very good game I think you walkthroughs available available also. Uh, a walkthrough really would have helped back then because this game is insanely it's frustrating. Also in the fact that you don't get a lot of clues clues to where to go and what to do. You really have to spend a lot of time exploring and it can get very frustrating and boring. Oh boy. <laughs> so, so just having hints as you know, like where to go next, you know, is very, very helpful. You want hints? <laughs> go online. <laughs> but um, also, apparently, uh, another reason this game is difficult. Uh, you may be aware, George, the fact that uh, the fact that a lot of people complain about this. A lot of a lot of Japanese games, like when they brought over to the U.S., they were made simpler. Or and dumber for us, like for us, quote unquote, stupid Americans. Some actually, some cases are that the the um, American version of the game is harder. But yes, yes that as, does that does happen a lot. As a matter of fact, this game was made harder for its flavored Western flavored Western. Oh really? Flavored Western release. Yes. Hey, uh, how how do we make it easier for Americans to get into our market? I don't know. Make the game harder. Exactly. You gotta wonder what the <laughs> hell they were thinking, but. Um, but but enemies were made, but enemies like made tougher. They were given higher stats. Why? Uh, player character stats increases when you gain a level like reduced. Uh, why? Why why was this a decision? And other playable, other playable characters uh, will always get like more of a gain than you do, uh, like to go up a level. So those are the so like so those are the big changes that are made uh, upon. That's messed up. Yeah, I don't understand. This game was already hard enough as it was. Did you really have to crank out the difficulty level up higher? I don't understand why they would do that, especially for um, a market that you know, or a group of consumers they're trying to bring into the market. But uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know. So um, so uh, yeah, um, this game. Uh, and, and like, and also, the manual did, the manual does not do a very good job of explaining the differences, the differences, the differences between the seven characters. The game is definitely easier for some characters, like as opposed to others. But the game doesn't really do the, the game doesn't really doesn't really do a good job of telling you that. So if you pick the wrong character to start the game off with, you're gonna you're gonna have a much hard time, uh, like compared to some other characters. Right. So it's so, so, like, so all that's all that to, so all that together combined. Uh, makes for makes, makes for a very challenging game. I think perhaps one of the most difficult uh, old school RPGs that RPGs like a long time. Do uh, we, we, we take all that slight consideration? So um, when you finally do finally manage to get like all seven gems, however, there's a very nice plot twist, uh, which I want you to like, spoil here. Uh, uh, and there are some very like you know like difficult and final battles in the game, which are very 
which which are both very frustrating and satisfying. Uh, the game, the game, the, the game gets a little bit easier when you get some of the gems, um, but not really all that much easier. And also, this sucks. The gems, the gems can be taken away from you, like you lose battles. And trying to find. <laughs> Are they put back to where they were? Or well, what? no. You got to find the person who actually, the, the person with the person who actually, who actually, who actually, who actually took them from you. So oh, you can really be screwed in this game big time if that happens because they, um because uh, because uh, because as I mentioned earlier earlier in the podcast that with the plot, um, the temptation for uh, the temptation for somebody attacking you after you've already gotten several of those several of those gems is very high. Uh, this is a nice thing I do like, however, at the start of the game, one of the seven heroes. Uh, because obviously the hero you pick, the other six heroes are still in the game. You can come across them, talk to them. They can join your party, like every now and then for them, like every now and then for them, for them, for them, for them, for them situations. The game, the game does a good job of, of not operating in a vacuum. All seven of you are, are out there in the field, are, are the field, are the field trying to get, trying to try to hunt down these runes, right? But um, the game randomly, the game randomly decides to start the game. One of these seven heroes likes to be a traitor. Uh, and they're going to hire a bounty hunter who dogs you the who dogs you uh, mo- uh, most of the game. Uh, his name is Romus, and you'll come across him quite a lot as you go through the game. So eventually, so eventually, you're able to find out by defeating Romus who the traitor is. Finally, have to go like and take him out. Uh, having this randomly determined traitor is kind of a nice thing. I think it's a nice touch of the game. Um, again, something I think that would be like proved upon in later games, in later games down the road. But yeah, if you lose a gem to Romimus or the traitor or, or somebody else, they probably have the gem, and good luck trying to find them again. So uh, it, it, it's very possible. It's, it's very possible to screw yourself over if you lose some battles, like lose like some of your gems. Wait, isn't isn't Romimus the first first uh, boss in the first dungeon? Um, let me hold. I thought, on. He, was a, I thought he was a spirit in the castle dungeon. He was haunting it or something like that. And he has the earth key. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you're, uh, you're right. Uh, Romus is one of the first bosses. He's one of the first bosses that you run into. So like right. I said, Teflon, uh, Teflon names, uh, they just, like bounce off you. The bounty hunter likes name, the bounty hunter like in the game likes name Sion. P-I-S-O-N. So. There is a, there is a, uh, there is a uh, uh, there is a there is a trick in this game, by the way. Speaking about Romus, that allows you to defeat him like one turn. Um, you let you Romus... use game genie. No, you. Uh, <laughs> but you let uh, but you let Romus kill you. Uh, then when you go back to town, uh, uh, which is a town like a Ravelisk, uh, there's a man with an upset wife. Uh, if you if you've lost a Romus, the game uh, the game will the game will, the, the game will, the game will trigger a flag, and, and that man will give you a whistle. Uh, if you use that whistle in the first turn against Romus, he dies instantly. Bull crap! I did lose him the first time, and then I went back and then I killed him. <laughs> but I didn't use the whistle. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you do use that trick, however, the game kind of treats it as if like you yourself died because it takes away half your gold. Uh, this game is a Dragon Warrior. Uh, this game, by the way, does a Dragon Warrior trick of allowing you to resurrect a nearby town, uh, but to uh, half your gold. So. Um, oh, okay. Well, then there you go. <laughs> um, there I is, did a fair and square. 
Uh, there is there is there is one glitch in this game though. Uh, you have to have you have to have Lux like either as the playable character like or like it has to be in your party. Um, there is a um, uh, there is a cutscene a, a cutscene in the game that the, the, the game of Lux like like was able to obtain uh, stab boosts uh, like 30 HP 30 like 30 MPs and 20 and 20 for 20 points of uh, 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 like another stats. Uh, if you during during the cutscene if you walk forward uh, four steps. Uh, which basically takes you like out of bounds, like uh, uh, like, uh, like to a doorway. Uh, you're able to, like, you're then able to to walk right to the wall, and uh, and you're able to, and, and, like, able to pass through the wall basically, and and the game kind of glitches out and and get, uh, then gives you cutscene again, which gives you, which gives you, uh, which gives you like no stat boost, and you can do this again and again and again, as, as, do as much as you want. Uh, to get like you know, infinite stats like for him so kind of a well, um, kind of a handy glitch d- most definitely I hope you beat the game um so uh like so um and uh and there was a sequel to this game planned actually uh there was impressive of it uh the like Nintendo Power and some of the magazines uh back in the Ferg where um, Enix had planned to port a game, uh, a, a game over known as uh, known as uh, known as Mystic Arc in like Japan uh, as a sequel to Seven Saga by calling Seven Saga Two. Uh, however, due to Enix shutting down their U.S. operation shortly thereafter, the translation was never the, you know, the translation like never finished, and like, the game was never released. Uh, Mystic Arc was released in Japan, however, and I do believe that. It, it, and I do believe there's a fan patch available available out there. Uh, you know, if you want to, uh, like, like you want to play that game because Mystic Arc is kind of a loose pseudo sequel. Uh, you know, Seven Saga. Huh. I did. I did not know that. Yeah, I remember seeing the press for Seven. Uh, the, the the press the press for Seven Saga too. But a, um, there was even a mock-up box. Oh, speaking of the box, have you seen a picture of the box, George? I have not. Oh, <laughs> uh oh! There is a really funny image, uh, 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 like in that box. It's both, it's both interesting and insulting at the same time. Um, if you look at the picture of the box, um, there is a, uh, uh but you know, as your boxes tended to have, um, tended to have, tend, you. I tend to have a blurb on the on the right side of the box on the cover with like you know maybe like a short a short teaser uh, a teaser a teaser description of the gameplay like a whatnot. Right. Um, if you look at it, so like like so look at this one. The text the text the the, the the text on the box on the box of this uh, on the box of this game reads, "Warning: This RPG may cause excitement, shock, disbelief, confusion." Uh, uh, and complete enjoyment. Okay. <laughs> it's like, what the heck are you guys thinking? Boy, who was that quoted from? I have no idea. <laughs> but it's right there in the cover of the box. Uh, so mm. I don't, so it's just weird. It just like, um, it does cause confusion. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, so, um. So, um, what did you, so what did you like best about this game, George? What, 
to what things what things really made what things really made strong impression on you? Um, I mean, the way it looked, it looks pretty good. Yeah, the graphics are very good today. And I mean, the gameplay is good, other than the difficulty and the n needing to grind. You know, um, I just it's a good game. Uh, I haven't seen anything wonky in it. You know, I haven't seen any like big bugs or anything, so that's that's good. No, I think the game's a little bit unfairly balanced when uh, 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 like how strong like how strong enemies your enemies your enemies. Yeah, that's unfair, but the you, game but... the gameplay works. Right, the system the, the system itself was fine as long as you're willing to accept accept its rules and play by them. Right. Uh, the game the game the game system itself is fine. Um, the the confusion in the game and the difficulty the, the difficulty and the difficulty and the, and the huge amount of grinding being needed are probably what would say for these games they have downsides right yeah so um overall uh would I recommend this game well that's 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 guarded um if you uh like enjoy old school like old school RPGs. Uh, if you like grinding, and there's a because you have to like grinding because there's a lot of grinding required to require this game. If you're willing to overlook some of the games, some some of the game's rough spots uh, with how difficult it is, a, a confusing confusing that it is. If you have a, if you at least are willing to look to look at a walkthrough now and then to help you out. Uh, all those things, like all those things, put aside. If you answered yes to all those things, you you can have a lot of fun this game. I, I mean, it's a very good. Uh, overall, the whole the overall the game does make it does make for a very good, um, polished, uh, fun ultimately in the end uh, RPG uh, that really that really is that really is a, a great example of some of the hardest uh, uh, of the 16-bit RPGs that came out during this time period. And like I said before, this is this wasn't a huge a huge seller it wasn't a very popular game so it's a very niche game so right. um if you're willing to accept all those things you definitely can have some fun with this game uh anybody who enjoys games uh even this time period like for their like for their like their story or their fast-paced fast-paced like fast-paced gameplay or whatnot uh save yourself the hassle and aggravation and like to bypass this one. If you're really curious and checking it out, uh, like I said, BCS walkthroughs, um, uh, let's play this game on YouTube can ultimately can ultimately take care of the itch that you may have with this game. Um, and there's nothing wrong with not wanting to put in the time. Uh, 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 the time when I beat this game several years back, I probably 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 probably. probably took me about like 50 hours, and I would probably say about 30 of that was 30 of that like just simply grinding simple just like you know pure pure uh, a pure like an outright grinding just to be able to make it through the next dungeon like whatnot okay so what we like to do on the playstation power podcast is we like to look up how much the game is sold and if it's worth it i've been seeing this game go around 15 16 um sometimes even 20 dollars to be honest Yes. Yep. For fifteen, I'd say it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Twenty, 
is all right, but anything more than that, I think, is a little too much for this game. Yes, uh, I found 62 listings of this game uh, currently active with 92, with 92 copies currently sold. Uh, like there are, like there are, like this game is plentiful enough, like an eBay. Uh, car prices, including shipping, ranging from 12 to from 12 to 30, 12 to 12 30 bucks. Yeah. Uh, CIB, much much bigger difference. Uh, anywhere from 27 to 100. Oh, yeah. Twenty-seven dollars to hundred to one hundred twenty-six dollars. There's actually a really cool lot that somebody had that was one hundred and fifty dollars, and uh, it had Seventh Saga in there, yeah. but it also had uh, I don't know. Let me see. I can't pull it up for some reason. The game also the game also did originally ship with a map, uh, and like that map did offer you some help. So if, like if you didn't have the map uh, the map of this game if you rented it or whatnot, you definitely would make an already hard game like even harder. Okay, so this lot had Soul Blazer, uh, Illusion of Gaia, Seventh Saga, Lagoon, and Brandish for $150. Pretty good. Yeah, that is pretty good. Yeah, all five of those games are fun. Uh, um, oh, well, I, I know your favorites in there. <laughs> Soul Blazer is not my all-time favorite game, actually. I just really... Like, really? Yeah, I just really like the name. Um... I've been using it online ever since about like 2000, and I was just trying to think of an original name uh, that wasn't already in use because even uh, 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 because even that time period, most of the most of the common stuff like was already claimed. So I just remembered the game, but thought the game title was always like was always great, and just picked it, and, and I've been using well, it ever since. There so. you go, a game that you like a lot. How about that? Um, <laughs> it's fun, but I wouldn't call it anywhere near the, the near top. Uh, if you're really curious, go back to episode two. Uh, like we're like you know Chad and I to Chad and I like just uh, to discuss the game like in huge detail. So, that wasn't episode one. No, episode one was the uh, like uh, uh, episode one. Uh, the episode one I like was the intro. Oh well, what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, so um, so yeah, you've. So yeah, what about you, George? Uh, would you would you recommend this game? Um, do you have any desire to play it again? It's like maybe someday beat it, perhaps. Um, it's gonna be on the back burner, but it's gonna be like somewhere near the bottom of the list because it's not it's not a game that I'm crazy about. But it's a cool game. I do want to see the end, but it's a really tough game. So I guess when I have you know, weekends or days or whatever, where I just have a lot of time. Maybe I'll sit down and play it for a bit, but it's not going to be at the top of my list, to be honest. I highly recommend playing this game uh, like via like emulation, like using save states. Uh, yeah, I'm doing that on the Retro Five. Yeah, because save states was well, to everybody out there. Save states make this game a heck of a lot easier. I mean. I, this game's already insanely difficult as it is. Uh, I mean, the last thing you want to do is get attacked by an enemy in the bottom of a dungeon that you haven't seen before, get killed, like, fucking like, like half your gold. So, uh, so yeah. like, I recommend heavy use of save states uh, to help to mitigate some of the pain by going through the game. But yeah, this is a great game to to play, to grind away on uh, while you're doing things like watching TV or listening to podcasts or like whatnot. Listening so. to PlayStation Power. Yes, exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> listening uh, to Master System Masterpiece. I might as well just put everything out here. <laughs> <laughs> so this, so like, like, yeah, this is a great multitasking game. Um, so, um, 
Um, anyway, uh, like I, like I said, despite all the, despite the complaints, complaints that this game has, like overall, if you like old school RPGs, um, they, they, they enjoy grinding, uh, there can be a, uh, there can be like a fun game here, uh, like for sure. It's a so, cool game. But uh, it's it's definitely it's definitely unique in some ways. So I will give them some, like we'll give them some points uh, for, uh, for trying to come up with something like different. So yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, we've talked about one of the underrated RPGs like in this game. Uh, next up, next up of the podcast, we're, 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 we're talking about like an underrated platformer. Uh, uh, like for the game on uh, the system, so uh, Super Mario Brothers Two. <laughs> a that wasn't a that that wasn't a Super NES title, and they're talking about the you know the remake of the game. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, and B, we already have covered we already have covered the you have covered like Super Mario World in the past episode. Shh, uh, which it's is okay, which it's is okay. the uh, which is you know, which is really the um, the far and away the best game platformer wise on the system but uh no um next episode we're gonna be we're gonna have our first guest host um well first guest host since george has been the podcast that is um so jerry who's like very kindly sponsoring me uh to turn this podcast on this on this podcast uh like right now uh when he first reached out to me a couple months ago to, to uh to talk to me about the possibility of sponsoring the podcast uh he mentioned a game that he really enjoyed and enjoyed the system that he wanted to come on to talk about and so he's going to be doing us doing us on the next episode on the next episode of this podcast to talk about uh a very obscure platformer game uh published by kemco for the like the super nes uh which is called the first samurai uh a game i never had heard of until he mentioned it to me so um have you had a chance to check this one out yet george i have not okay it's 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 interesting. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> uh, we're going to have, um, and the game does have a very uh, interesting history, the, the history to it also. So, uh, so, uh, so it should be a lot of fun uh, to have him to, 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 to have the podcast to talk about this game because we've not covered a platformer like for a while. So, um, uh, anyway, uh, so anyway, as I mentioned, uh, Jerry's very kindly sponsoring the podcast uh, like right now. Uh, he is the uh, creator uh, uh, creator of the JRI Rig uh, a Silver Gaming uh, Edition box, which allows you to not only use the multi- uh, use the multimedia device, uh, but also numerous cores built into it to allow for a wide emulation of systems. Uh, I haven't, had, I've not had a chance to mess around to mess around with this thing uh, in, uh, uh, like in length yet. I've only, I've, I've only been able to, to play it a little bit. Uh, the emulation seems, the emulation seems like very solid for Super NES stuff. I, I've, I've tested it with. I do want to. Um, I do want to put through its pages more because I said because I definitely do want to publish a full review uh, of this on the website uh, on Facebook once I actually have a chance to sit down and test out more of the systems on it. I just haven't had a chance a chance to do that yet to do that yet. And I promise that'll be a very fair, like an unbiased review uh, of the device, like its pros and cons, that kind of stuff. So look forward to that. Um, Can I ask you a question sure. quickly, off off podcast here? Uh, okay. Isn't his name Wesley? He goes by Wesley online, but it's actually Jerry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't mind me. Um, and I would leave that in because they're I'll leave that in the podcast because I have used both names before in the past myself before I realized what was going on here. So okay. you may not be the only person confused by that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but um, so uh, yeah, um, 
Um, you can go to his website at gri-rig.com, where the like the classic the, the classic the media center it, uh, like it's on there for hundred for hundred for hundred and fifty four dollars, and the gaming edition is two fourteen. But if you use the coupon uh, uh, the coupon SNES podcast to check out, uh, you can take um, uh, five dollars uh, respectively uh, uh, like off. Uh, like off both of those, uh, and there's also a contest, a contest that's being that the contest that they're, they're, uh, that's running, that's running like right now. Uh, we have to like uh, send him a, uh, send him a Twitter message. Uh, full detail, the, the the full details about the contest like on, uh, like on the Super NES uh, Facebook page, uh, like we explains explains details. So um, besides Facebook, you can also reach me at the SNES podcast at yahoo.com. I feel free to send me an email there with comments, suggestions, etc. We're also looking for future games to cover. Uh, oh, also, uh, after after the next the next podcast, we are finally pleased to be able to have Ferg from the Twenty Six Hundred Game a Game podcast on to uh, 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 talk about a pinball game. Took uh, him long enough. Well, there's been a lot going on <laughs> in his life, as you may know about. If you listen to some of his your, your uh, recent episodes. So, I, it's hard to catch up on all these podcasts, to be honest. But, uh, I apologize. <laughs> so, um, so uh, he will be so. so like, look forward to this episode. Like, look forward to that episode as well coming up. Uh, coming up like next like few weeks. So I uh, can't wait to talk to him. <laughs> yep, same here. So uh, George, how can the viewers like uh, viewers? Yeah, I'll be okay. Listeners, I, I wish. Well, I'll... you don't have the camera on right now. <laughs> wait, why do I have my camera on then? <laughs> are you what? What do you? <laughs> What? Because you want people to see your like sh- like shining face, like a gorgeous mug, like out there, right? Oh, oh, most definitely. <laughs> yes. For the listeners to contact me. Yes. Um, well, I'm on Twitter, uh, trying to tweet more often, but uh, I'm on Twitter at Mr. Chief. That's at M I S T U R C H E E F. Um, you can contact me through whatever you know, just. Use your mind. I will get the message eventually. Um, give me some time because my mind is not as powerful as yours. Uh, I do other podcasts. I do PlayStation Power with Greg. Uh, if you can't tell what that is, uh, we talk about the Sega Genesis. Uh, wait, no, that's that's wrong. That's wrong. Uh, we talk about the PlayStation and PlayStation 2. I do Master System Masterpieces where we talk about the Master System and I do a podcast podcast that's not family friendly, which is VR Enclave. Um, and we talk about right now we're talking about the Gear VR stuff, but once the Oculus Rift comes out, which is I believe in June this year, um, we will talk about that. And it's expensive; it's like six hundred dollars. Yes, I saw the announcement of that several years ago. I was shocked. I yeah, I pre-ordered it though. I I think that. Um... Uh, like Bill of Judas, uh, who's a very well-known uh, classic gaming uh, like editor uh, uh, and book writer, said that he thought the price was two hundred was two hundred bucks higher than what was needed to, uh, for it to be able to get like mass market appeal. And I agree with her. And I agree with that, you know, hundred percent. But the problem with that though is the technology behind it. So it's like these people need to make a pro- some kind of profit off of it. And this this is not like technology that's easily made like this is like you know new technology that's coming out it's gonna be expensive right now and yeah it's gonna be hard for people to get into because of the price 
But I, I mean, this is what we this is what they have to do right now until they can charge less until they can charge the four hundred dollars, which supposedly it was going to be four hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and they ramped it up. But the thing is, they also added new things onto it. Um, which increased the price. So not now to, it has like headphones built in and stuff like that. Not to mention you also have to, not to mention you also have to have a wicked powerful computer like to be able to use it. Yes, uh, but which, I already have that. Which so also limits the appeal to fifteen hundred dollars. So. Yeah, but that's again that's the problem. I mean, the PlayStation VR is co- is coming out. It should be coming out this year, I believe. I mean, that's gonna be. I think it might be four hundred dollars. It might be three hundred. Something like that. I mean, the thing is, it's not easy right now. But that is more appealing for a price point for people to get into PlayStation VR. Um, And yeah, you do need a powerful computer because it's rendering so much. You can't... It's really hard to optimize stuff like that for underpowered computers. Uh, One, there will be a day where everything is much cheaper... But right now, it's more of a really pricey luxury, you know? Right. So, yeah. Well, interesting. I'm sure you guys... VR, are, the future is now. I'm sure you guys are going to be talking about that like in mass, like on that podcast. So that... Probably, you know, and, and, uh, as well as other things that I can't say right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay. I um, want to thank George again very much for coming on the... Over coming on, you over coming on, playing recording like another episode of the, I like the podcast with the podcast with me. Anytime. Um, and uh, and uh, I definitely, I definitely, I definitely am most appreciative, like of all the like like all the listeners, all the, all the listeners out there. Um, you know, feel free to comment, feel free to comment, to comment and the, uh, um, and on the Facebook page, or, uh, uh, or the, uh, or like via. Or via uh, email. Um, also, what's the email? Uh, the SNES uh, podcast at yahoo.com. How do you spell Yahoo? Y a h o o. Okay. Ongoing inside joke, but um, <laughs> hey, you listen uh, to PlayStation Power and you'll figure that out. Also, uh, iTunes reviews uh, would be like it'd be very, like very very much appreciated. Uh, the more reviews we get on there, the higher you know higher the podcast that climbs and it climbs in the ranking. And easier just for someone to locate it. You know what? I keep forgetting to ask about iTunes ratings on my podcast. Ah, <laughs> uh, I need to do that. I think we only have like one on MSM. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, so again, thank you everybody out there. Like, I uh, like your support. Thank you for listening. And tune us again. Um, and tune us playing to the podcast again soon. Uh, like for next episode. So thanks all. And take care. Bye. Nintendo controls 80% of the video market. But no matter how you play the game, or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Deep power.